Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Tell us a bit about your your batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. So, um, you know, I did, like I said, obviously, I actually died. I am then very fortunate, and I don't, and I, I don't think I've ever made slight of the fact that I know I'm very lucky. I have two beautiful, healthy rainbow children, um, and I was very fortunate in the way that you know that their conceptions were easy and straightforward, and um, you know we had a few complications in pregnancy, but they're here and they are safe. Um, and in, so that was 2018, my daughter was born and things were just kind of rubbing along nicely. There's a lot of, un, um, a lot of unprocessed stuff. So the thing for me is that I have always been quite open online about Finley and I kind of write and I talk about grief and people say, oh, you're so vulnerable and, you know, rah, rah, rah. Um, and I thought, yeah, I am. I'm really good. I'm doing great. Like I'm really, I'm doing really well because I can write about things and I can talk about Finley and, you know, Bex, you're saying that you can, well, I can tell his story and I, can tell it but I don't necessarily cry when I'm telling it um so I thought oh, I'm doing great um but it turns out what I was actually doing was I was like mentalizing my grief so I'm you know I was kind of like projecting it outwards so I was telling the story and I was sharing it and you know gaining kind of value from the fact that it was mentioning to other people but I wasn't sitting with it um and then in 2019 my marriage ended and uh which was also a bit of shit um, and it was that loss was triggered. So, um, you know, we talk about in therapy, the fact that trauma is sticky. So it kind of all gets enmeshed with each other. So the loss of my marriage, the kind of feelings that brought up around the grief, the isolation, the sense of failure, the shame, um, the heartbreak, absolutely re-triggered all that stuff from when Finley was born. It's like the way that I kind of visualise it is um, my trigger for all my kind of my trauma, my PTSD, everything is around loss. And right at the epicenter of that storm is Finley's death. And every other loss that I ever experienced, no matter how big or small, it kind of links back to that central point. So um, that wasn't great. I wasn't in a great place. And then in 2020, global pandemic happened. Again, not ideal. Um, And it all just kind of, it was like a perfect storm, really. It just sort of snowballed from there. And um, the actual kind of catalyst really for as in the thing that kind of led to my hospital admission was um we've moved into our new house the children and I we'd had a really you know it'd been a it'd been a rough season um for us and we moved into our new house and this was meant to be like our fresh start and it was all exciting and lovely and it was you know going to be building a life and blah, blah, blah. and my son Leo really wanted a kitten he really wanted a cat because and he he emotionally blackmailed me by pointing out that he was the only boy in the house and um you know he's they're very much aware of Finley he's oh I've missed my brother mummy I'm the only boy in the house because it's you and Ellen and the dogs are good and he really wanted a cat that was the thing that was going to make him happy and I'm soppy so I was like yes we got this kitten and he was beautiful this little blue-eyed tiny little small male creature um and he died really tragically and really suddenly and really traumatically in our home and that was it. I just completely lost it. I completely lost my shit. Um, I had like sort of went into like a sort of, I suppose like a psychotic episode. Um, I was really unsafe, which I guess is a really powerful way of saying that I had like a non-fatal suicide attempt. I just completely like imploded. I couldn't do my life. Um, and I was admitted, I got taken to A&E 
and um that's when I was sat I, my memory of this is patchy but from what I've been told I was like in this assessment room basically saying I killed my baby I killed my baby I killed my cat and I killed my baby so they were like she's not okay hun um and they sent me to be fair actually in my defense I not that there's any shame behind it but I do like to mention the fact that I was never actually sectioned I was an informal patient although I say I was informal basically it was like you either go willingly or we're going to section you yeah. um and my friend Uzubi was like if you get sections you can't go to America and I remember thinking okay yeah so <laughs> I went of my own free will because you never know I'd love to go to New York um I don't know if it's true oh. I don't know I'm not sure it's probably not true but it really struck with me I was like that's true and every time in hospital when I tried to like you know if I if I wasn't playing ball on the ward like if I was like I'm ready to leave now and they were like well you're not ready to leave but if you'd like to try and leave then we can assess you for a section I was like oh yeah New York um and I spent 10 weeks in a psychiatric hospital wow 10 weeks (laughs) yeah it was and what was what was that like was it frightening all the way through I mean it must have been terrifying to start with yeah I mean it was proper one flow of the cookies nest so when I got there I was you know I was not well I hadn't you know I was exhausted I hadn't slept they I was given like I basically sedated for about three days so I just slept because I hadn't slept for the best part of a year really um and it was a I was fortunate I was I was fortunate I was on a female ward I had my own little room it's kind of a bit like uni halls to be fair I had a little room little suite uh, the door was padded you know in case you, it was all um I couldn't I you know you could you can have shoelaces in your shoes like you know it was all very like what you'd imagine very serious um, yeah yeah it was quite serious it was an acute ward so um in terms of levels of severity yeah it was an acute ward um which is kind of medium tier. Um, the first few days I just was non-verbal, I think. I, my memory is really patchy, but, um, and then they put you on then they put you on meds and basically you'd sort of t- start taking medication. So they'd like, get you out of bed and I have to do my meds twice a day. And then I'd slowly just started to like be on the ward. Um, it was funny actually, because they, my nickname for some of the other patients was baby. Um, and it's because when I got there, I obviously was like, I say, obviously I wasn't, great um and they all thought I was a lot younger than I was obviously because I'm just you know so youthful but I looked really young I looked really frightened I had my hair like they one of the staff had patted my hair out of my face so I couldn't you know it wasn't in my way and they thought I was too young to be on the ward um and also so they called me baby because they thought I was young and they also called me baby because I was on baby meds so compared I was probably there's a lot of very very poorly people on there um I took quite low level medication compared to some one of the people I became quite good friends with on the ward you know she was taking 17 tablets a day um so comparatively I was like light I was like crazy light um as opposed to full-blown um well done yeah, it was, yeah I know that's my I, I'd like to take pride that I was probably the least insane one there um <laughs> but the reason my admission was so long was twofold one was um covid so there was then that second lockdown in the november mm. and that massively impacted my treatment so i was doing um i was so traumatized i couldn't return to my house so i had we're having to do kind of exposure therapy to kind of get me able to walk back into my front door um to give you some idea the hospital was like a half an hour drive away and the first time i was on i want to say day release but it's actually home leave i went to go visit my parents who live in a, in a different town but we had to come up to the city and I you know even just being within 20 minute drive of my house I had a full-blown panic attack and had to be IM'd which is where they wow. jab in the bum of a needle and um, so, me. so I was I was not well so that's why I was there so long because my um exposure therapy was massively delayed because I couldn't have anybody with me because Covid um plus Christmas I mean it's funny actually when I first got there the staff said to me that when they first got my assessment they thought I was gonna be like a, like a four-day turnaround 
they're like, oh, okay, the cat died. Okay, her baby died. Okay, her marriage ended. Oh, yeah. Well, give her some sleep. Give her some meds and send her on her way. Mm-hmm. And then they then they did my psycholo- my psycholo- uh, psychological assessment. And the psychologist like, oh, no, like, there's a lot here. Um, but has but you've been sitting with this for a long time. So when they sort of scratched the surface, they found, and it was all grief, loss, so much, all around Finley, really. Um, and then the things that kind of beyond that, but he was the, the epicenter, not he, but his death, his loss was the kind of epicenter of it all so when they sort of discovered that they're like oh shit we probably should sort some look for some of this stuff before we just send her off um and were you allowed to see your children so in the beginning I was just too ill like I couldn't even I wasn't capable of I was allowed but I literally couldn't and then um as I started to get it was really it was a bit shit really because as I started to get a bit more well was when the lockdown happened um so the kind of hospital rules were that I could see them but I could only see them outside and it was obviously like November, December, it was freezing. Also, also north, north of the coast by the sea. Um, I could see them outside for half an hour, one day a week. So that was really hard. Um, wow. I could FaceTime them, but they were, you know, two and four. So like, but that was really, really hard. Um, and at the same time, my, like my divorce papers came through while I was in hospital. So at the same time as all this was going on, I was like, you know, the divorce was going through. Um, obviously the lockdown threw me again like it was just like it was it's a lot I mean it's a lot to take if you're emotionally well but obviously you were not emotionally well (laughs) and that must have just been like wait the waves crashing in one after the other was your ex-husband supportive were you able to get support from that side of things or not really interestingly the most supportive he ever was in the whole breakup process was when I was in hospital Mm. um he actually really did um he he kind of resembled more the person that I married in that time period than he had done for the kind of nine months previously which was it was it was really good but mm. also quite uh, really hard for me to kind of figure out and um, he had the children full-time when I was in hospital which was his choice you know my mum was happy my parents were really involved and they were happy to have them more but he wanted to have them full-time obviously that put massive pressure on him because of his you know he wasn't used to having them full-time he's got other commitments and stuff so it was a really stressful time I think on both ends um yeah he was more it's uh, it's not been great I'll be honest like when as far as breakups go like it wasn't you know I'm not gonna it wasn't as if we both, you know, we really tried and we went to courage counselling and we decided for the best. That's not how my marriage ended. My marriage ended really suddenly, really unexpectedly. Um, the the like the rug was ripped out from under my feet. Um, another loss, another trauma, another trigger. Yeah. Um, a huge sense of failing, huge sense of shame. So uh, there's a lot of like trauma and kind of feelings around that, around the the marriage breakdown, around him, around what that meant. Um, so it was really difficult, but he, you know, credit to him, he did, you know, he he did the best he was able, um, and he was a great, you know, obviously he had the children, he, you know, they were they were absolutely fine with him, um, but we, yeah, so we were also trying to navigate like the final bit of our divorce, which then mm. is a, is a don't get divorced, like it's such a messy, <laughs> messy process. Like if you can avoid it, just do because it's really hard work. Yeah, I'll second um, that. Yeah, it's not. Don't, two out of it's ten, do not shit. recommend. It's so no. shit. Don't recommend. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, and then... That the the loss of Finley had anything to do with the breakdown of your marriage? Um, That's a really good question. That's one that I do come back to a lot. Um, you know that I, I'm speaking to women that baby loss puts so much pressure yeah. on relationships. 
and yeah. people grieve differently and at different rates and in different ways and sometimes the communication just isn't there and things start to sort of chip away don't they yeah no absolutely I think that's what that absolutely I think that is what happened and I think um we kind of lost each other a little bit mm. um I the thing is the thing that I've sort of I'm aware of now is that I really wasn't doing great and I wasn't doing great from the moment Finley died up until the minute I went into hospital but no one really saw I didn't really see you know I was you know, and, and my ex-husband, he was really supportive of Instagram and he was like, I think it's great you've got an outlet. And so in some ways I was talking about how I was feeling all the time. I'm always oversharing how I feel and grief, but no one ever really saw if that makes sense. Um, they could read it, but they didn't really see the reality behind it. And um, I think definitely what happened was we did grieve slightly differently. I think we, you know, for him, he threw himself into work. He, you know, that's how he process that's how we cope with things and I supported that because I was like that's what you need to do and and I support you um I don't think he knowingly didn't support me but I think maybe on reflection like I did become quite unwell which maybe might not have happened I'm not had we been able to communicate a little bit better maybe that wouldn't have happened so I definitely think I definitely think that there was elements of that that you know grief puts massive pressure on relationships and I think anyone who thinks it doesn't is na- is naive or incredibly fortunate and um, the actual thing that resulted in the breakdown of our marriage I would I'm going to call bullshit on saying that it's our dead baby son who caused that but at the end of the day you know that's not that's maybe just me being a little bit of the of the jilted wife um but I do think because I think you no know, I think relationships are about choosing each other and about you know you you have to choose one another and you choose each other all the time over and over again and I think that isn't always possible or sometimes you just stop doing it yeah, um yeah. and I think for me definitely I definitely you know, I'm not gonna pretend I wasn't the perfect wife I definitely um could have been more I could have been a better wife I think for me I threw my energy into our children like the way that I parent Leo and Ellen and I you know that in and of itself was a response to Finley's death that I became very neurotic as a parent I was very all in all the time and I'm sure he did feel incredibly neglected at times and left out um I parented him in the only way that I knew how so I think I turned inward to our family unit um and whereas he turned outward and that was the kind of but yeah grief and loss places a huge strain on relationships and I think it's people people don't talk about it um I don't always think it's necessarily irreparable but I think it's about you need to kind of catch it while you can because you get to put me you kind of drift too far apart it's that's interesting it's one of the things that we cover in our online courses and our trying to conceive after loss online course and our pathway to recovery which is just the one for you know navigating life after the loss of your baby and and we've got a relationship counsellor in because I think it's one of those areas that is massively overlooked Mm -hmm. but actually you know it's so it's not only is it essential to you kind of going on to have another baby if that's what you want to do with that person to have a, a good foundation of your relationship but also it's one of those things that people just assume that sort of thing pulls you closer together I think in the outside world but actually yeah. as you've just said it, it that's not always the case and um especially if you're grieving differently or you're misunderstanding each other or you don't you don't realize that your grief can is a, a allowed to look different to your partner's yeah. It, um, it's an incredibly difficult thing to navigate when you've, when you've both got the same experience, but you're not experiencing it the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was really guilty of like, I, you know, and I'm not, it's two sides. I think for me, I was so aware of letting him grieve the way that he needed to grieve. That, and that, that's kind of how, like, that's, I was so focused on his grieving that I was then not looking at my own. And then that was kind of manifesting itself more and more. Um, and so I think that's the interesting thing. Now, the thing that I found really a lot, of, I've had a few people sort of 
in recent times kind of messaged me and reached out on Instagram and say, you know, I've been through this loss and this is my first anniversary without my husband or without my partner. And yeah, the first Finley's birthday, the first birthday without his dad there was brutal because we had these little rituals and these little things that we do and, and it felt so different. But what mm. I actually found kind of when I came out the other end of that, I've now done I've now done his birthday twice without his dad there. Um, you know, at one point we did talk about doing things like that together, but and maybe we'll reach a point in the future when we can again, but for various reasons it just it, we it, we just couldn't do that. Um but one thing I did find is that actually there's something quite freeing about grieving in isolation in the sense that you don't have to consider anyone else's feelings like I think when you're a partner you love each other and you care for each other and you're so aware that your partner is in pain and you want to ease it for them that you know it's it's almost like a misery loves company you kind of go round around in circles whereas the last two years on Finley's birthday I've been with friends or I've been on my own people who they love me and they support me but they're not grieving mm-hmm. so it kind of made it meant that one I could be totally selfish about what I needed but also the kind of general I wasn't worried about anybody else around me. I didn't need to be worried about them because they were all fine. Um, and that was a really, you know, in an ideal world, it wouldn't have happened. But I think it kind of talk about the silver linings was that I felt like I could be much more in my grief and I didn't have to worry about making space for anyone else's. Um, which is good because that's what you needed because that's what you didn't do. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly yeah. what I didn't do. Um, and then that's on me. That's my, my lack, you know, that's the way that I do my life, my kind of lack of boundaries. Um, but yeah, for me, it's been really empowering I guess and also I think you know we talked about dating earlier I'm chronically codependent um and I always think that I can't do anything by myself I'm incapable but actually being on my own and like you know being able to manage my own grief um Mm -hmm. has been really freeing because I think particularly after I was poorly last year I became really scared of my feelings because my feelings would get so big that they would make me volatile and they would make me unsafe. And so I was like, I can't deal with my feelings because they're scary to me. I, you know, I got to a point when I was more afraid of feeling my feelings. Than I was afraid of being dead, which is a really, un, a really dangerous place to be. Yeah. Um, so actually kind of having to go through that process on my own, having to, having to mother myself, having to like care for myself has been really challenging, but then really empowering. So oh, actually I, I can sit with my own grief and I can, make this better for, better for myself which yeah. is something I just had never done before are you would you say that you're a sort of control freak by nature um I'm I would say no but I actually I would always say no 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 I'm not controlling I'm not controlling I'm a massive people pleaser but then I realized that I'm I am a people pleaser because I want people to like me so that in of itself is controlling yeah <laughs> um so yeah like you know in my you know in my marriage I was always quite like you know um my I was the support I was certainly more sort of the sort of supporting figure like I remember um in the immediate aftermath when we separated my ex-husband who is a great guy I was like, I'm going to pay for you to have three counseling sessions with relate so you can get over this and um one of the things the counselor said to me she you know, she's a star and a fan analogy she's like, in your marriage your husband was a star and you were the fan like you supported him and you you put him on his pedestal and obviously that's problematic because for him you know I maybe I created him this role that was unachievable for him but I see myself as a supporting character often and that's where I feel comfortable but actually that is then quite controlling because you're supporting somebody and then you're putting inadvertently putting pressure on them I guess to be a certain way or to meet a certain thing so yeah I think I wouldn't say I was controlling but I think I probably am in a way that I don't yeah. like to acknowledge or don't feel able to <laughs> I hear you yeah codependence unite <laughs> yeah 100% and how are you now Laura yeah, I'm 
much better thank you i mean obviously it's a it's a it's a journey it's a process um it's a shit show it's carnage i am well medicated i have regular therapy um still on baby doses still on fair yeah i'm still on fairly lightweight meds um i mean well it's relative it's it's you know it's one of those things where i'm on escitalopram i'm on the highest dosage of that but that's still quite a lightweight medication and it's one that you know for me everyone has their different views but that's it allows me to do my life yeah. It allows me to like function. Basically, it keeps me alive. Um, it keeps me able to parent my children. Um, it keeps me able to access therapy. So for me, if I'm on it till the day I die, then that is fine by me. Um, but I just am generally, I just am a bit more well. Like I think, you know, I've had to almost go back to the beginning when it comes to grief and when it comes to loss and um, start that entire process again. But I needed to do that because I never really did it in the first place. Um, so that's been really, it's really painful and challenging, but it's really necessary, like excavating a lot of that um, and sort of re- reprocessing it and kind of finding it away in, in a different way. And then day-to-day life's actually quite fun. I think like, you know, I don't share much of the children online, um, but we, they're at great ages. We have a lot of fun together. Like they're really, you know, they talk about feeling all the time and he's really much part of our family, but um, day-to-day is just quite, it's busy, it's chaotic. I'm working, I'm co-parenting I'm trying to date <laughs> failing at dating all the time <laughs> and how is the dating going because today is actually Valentine's Day happy Valentine's Day girls thank you happy Valentine's Day yeah happy Valentine's Day did you get yeah, any cards yeah. presumably the postman had to come out with bags yeah oh, no he's oh, very late so many cards. Um, I've received absolutely nothing I've sent a Valentine's card and I'm not even sent I've given a Valentine's card um in secret no. To your next door neighbour, not to your next door neighbour. Not to my neighbor. next door neighbour, no, to my, no. Um, so I have not received anything, but there's still time. Don't worry, mate, me neither. It's early, it's early. It's early doors. Um, no, for me, so I kind of date really non-intentionally. Again, I think I said before, my big trigger is loss. I can't cope with loss. Um, so my biggest fear about a relationship is that it's going to end. So the way that I mediate that is I just don't let them start. Um, so I like date really non-intentionally. Um <laughs> I, I think actually on my Tinder profile, it says something like just looking for someone to waste my time and break my heart before hot girl summer starts. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. And I wonder why I only attract fuckboys. It's so baffling. Um, no, I like I think I mentioned, I mentioned at the beginning, I, you know, I got my heart broken a bit last year um, and I'm still a bit bruised. And I think, you know, I'm very scared. I'm a bit scared of big feelings. So I'm just quite laid back and uh, don't kind of take it don't take any of it too seriously but today actually is a really exciting day for me because I've just launched my Patreon um so yeah so I uh since being ill I've definitely pulled back from what I share online around loss and around grief but around everything it just didn't feel safe to kind of be that vulnerable but now I'm feeling a bit better I kind of want to bring some of that back so I have launched yeah launched a Patreon account so a kind of dug out all my old blogs on baby loss and parenting after loss and grief and they're all on there and there's some dating escapades some little sound um and a few kind of thirst trap pictures as well so yeah so that is my little little project to myself <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. done yeah well you have to give us the details and we'll yeah. stick in the show notes and pinpoint people in your direction yeah there's lots of there's lots of um we're going to call it body positivity cheeky pictures um, <laughs> on there as well but yeah no I'm doing really good I'm doing good cool. good well thank you so much for joining us and for being so open and honest about everything it's been thank really you. interesting to chat to you and yeah, uh, so, so glad that you're in a better place yeah thank you so much for having me just feel like yeah I'm really glad to be here <laughs> 
well take care of yourself keep in touch yeah we'll do um, yeah happy birthday. and i uh, hope the hope the postman arrives soon he's probably yeah. Yeah. crushed from the weight probably a whole van a whole van full of flowers chocolate yeah wine. yeah oh, definitely all that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah all right well lots of love take care chat soon bye, bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams. And to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.